Would you like to accelerate your career and reach your full potential in just minutes a day? Welcome to the LeadX Show with New York Times bestselling author and Inc. 500 entrepreneur, Kevin Cruz. Hey everyone, Kevin Cruz here. Welcome back to the LeadX Leadership Show, where we're helping you to become the boss, the manager, the leader that everyone wants to work for. Today in the show, you're going to hear from someone who read my Forbes article about how to create your own leadership user's manual, and she did it for herself. We're going to discuss what it is, a free tool you can use to make it look pretty, and what to include, what to maybe exclude, and why this exercise really isn't just for team leaders. But first, visit leadx.org and check out the free trial of LeadX with Coach Amanda. There's over 200 on-demand video lessons, printable tools, your own personality assessment, and the world's first leadership and management chatbot powered by IBM Watson AI. Check it out for free, leadx.org. And if you're responsible for leadership development in your organization, we need to talk. Send me a message at info at leadx.org because I want to set you up with a free trial with your managers to see do they love it as much as we think they will. No cost free trial. Leadx.org. Now, on to the show. By day, our guest is a dedicated public health professional and executive director at CounterTools, a nonprofit that empowers communities to become healthier places by using data and storytelling to pass health-promoting policies that affect the retail environment. By night, she's the co-organizer of the social running group Bull City Beer Runners and a drummer in the Durham, North Carolina chapter of Batala, an international music project. Our guest is Nina Baltiera. Nina, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thanks for having me. So before we dive in, I mentioned the organization you're with, CounterTools, but why don't, in your own words, tell us a little bit about what you guys do. Sure. Yeah, happy to. So place, uh, which is where we live, work, play, and pray, has a profound impact on our health. Mm -hmm. um, and CounterTools is a nonprofit that helps communities work toward health-promoting policies that affect the retail environment, which is very specific. But the retail environment is part of that place. Um, it's also called the built environment. So we do that by providing training and technical assistance on the policy change process, as well as data collection, visualization, and storytelling to help move the needle in that, in that policy change. And we, we recognize that the retail environment, brick and mortar retailers, specifically like corner stores, uh, that's very specialized. But we also think it's really important. For example, the tobacco industry spends a million dollars an hour. on. Is that all? Only a million an hour? <laughs> a million an hour, you know, shop <laughs> change um, on, on sales and marketing at the point of sale in the retail environment. And Big Soda is close behind taking a page from the tobacco industry's book when it comes to marketing, especially to disparate populations. Okay. So this is cool. You used a lot of big words and yeah. a lot of stuff. There are people who aren't familiar with it, but I think I'm following. And I picked up on, so big soda is now the, the way we're going to brand sugary drinks, right? Yeah. Yeah. 
In the biz, we call it sugar-sweetened beverages or SSBs, um, but big soda is kind of a nice way for people to understand that it's kind of similar to big tobacco. Um, of course, it's more nuanced than tobacco. I mean, I think we can all agree that tobacco is bad, right? and that's commercial tobacco, not ceremonial or sacred tobacco. Let me be very clear. Okay. But big soda is kind of the same as like big tobacco is a nice way for people to understand. Yeah. Um, I think some people say big sugar too. Right. Yeah. This big soda is definitely leading the charge. Yeah. So I live in, and we work in uh, Philadelphia and Philadelphia is one of the cities that passed a soda tax and it was fought hard. And I haven't, it was fairly recent. I don't know if there's been any analysis of whether that's, you know, changed behaviors or not. I'm not sure. The more I learn about sugar, so sodas is one place, but like really anywhere. And I do have a little bit of a sweet tooth, (laughs) (laughs) but sugar's evil. It's the white devil. I mean, it's pretty bad. So I think anyone who doesn't understand like why we should maybe tax big soda and stuff like that. I mean, they're not quite understanding the problem, but anyway, I know that's a whole nother topic (laughs) and all that. But so I want to understand a little bit more about what you guys do. So you've got like tobacco's spending so much money on point of sale, right? In the stores. And so your organization will go into these stores and do what? Yeah. So we actually, my organization doesn't specifically go into the stores. We empower communities to do it. It's kind of citizen science. So we will help them to create a survey, like an in-store assessment to look at what is being sold and marketed in a store or outside of a store. We see a lot of exterior advertisements for things like flavored tobacco and menthol cigarettes. So we'll have them go out into a store, collect the data on what's going on, um, sometimes with one of our software tools that we have that's a data collection tool, and so that they can see what's going on in the store at a micro level and then also on a macro level in terms of their neighborhood. We can map their retailers to see where they are in relation to each other, in relation to schools and parks mm. to kind of get at or, or the differences in zip code and median household income, for example. Mm-hmm. We see all over the country stores clustered in uh, low income areas and high minority areas mm-hmm. and hardly any retailers in the more affluent areas. It's sad, right? Because those are, those areas are also like the healthy food deserts. I mean, it's like, you know, all the stores of tobacco and other things, but not like fresh produce. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. People sometimes will do their weekly grocery shopping at the corner store instead of the grocery store because it's just not accessible. Right, right. Okay. So before we dive in to leadership user's manual and all that stuff, I often ask our guests a simple first question, which is tell me about a time when you failed at something, because I think failures are stepping stones. I always say it's corny. I know, but I say there's no win or lose. It's win or learn. Right. So give me one of your best failures and what did you learn from it? Oh man. So I feel like I probably fail a few times every day and it takes a long time to surface as a failure, but I'll I'll pick a a specific one that happened pretty recently. So part of my work manifesto is don't be a dick. Am I allowed to say that on this show? <laughs> I guess we are now. <laughs> sure. So don't, don't be a dick. And, um, and so I try to live by that in work and in life, um, just to, you know, be kind and be a nice person and give, give folks the benefit of the doubt. Um, and so a few, a few months ago, I got an email that was forwarded to me. Um, so I was not the original or intended recipient of this email, oh. but the original sender and writer of the email um, was sharing some bad news, business-related bad news, um, in a very, what I thought was a very cavalier, mm. 
way that I thought was kind of unprofessional yeah. and disrespectful to the situation. So I responded to the original sender and basically tore apart right. their communication style and their professionalism. And after sending it, you know, my, my blood was boiling. <laughs> after I, I sent it, I realized I was not the intended recipient of this email. And had they maybe been breaking the news to me, I hope they would have right. done it in a different way. But I, I violated whatever kind of communication pact was going on between the original right. sender and the original recipient. And I just, I was upset with myself for being a dick yeah, <laughs> yeah. to, to getting that, that email. And I learned to, um, even when your blood is boiling, you know, reacting, whether it's email or not, just being kind first yeah, and also be, giving them the benefit of the doubt for as long as you can. Yeah. It's a good one to share. And I, and probably any of us, you know, that, that are listening to this story could relate in some way. And I know, I think I've gotten a lot better at it as I've gotten a little older, but I mean, I used to react out of emotion, you know, anger or whatever it is, stress quickly. I've gotten a little bit better about like taking that breath or taking the 24 hours and then trying to get into my better Zen self. And it's like, Oh, you know, <laughs> I would be them if the situations were different. And I, how can I respond with compassion? But man, I used to just like react, you know, just move fast right. and react. Um, and I've accidentally sent some emails to people I didn't intend, and uh, it's a tricky situation. So thanks for sharing that story. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I, I should say I did apologize in person, not over oh, email. Oh, very nice. Yeah. And it was fine, but I certainly learned a lot. <laughs> <laughs> Good. Okay. So, wow, Nina, you're a different kind of guest because usually, you know, we have on like uh, an author, but you're not here to talk about a new book or sometimes usually when I get, I'll be honest, like if I get CEOs and, and organizational heads on the show, often they're trying to promote something, you know, right. like they've got some other agenda or they're like a friend of mine. I'm doing a favor. And this is the first time we've met, right? And we found each other on LinkedIn when you tagged me in a, a post about you creating your own leadership users manual. So welcome to the show. It's kind of cool. And it's not often that I get to meet people who, you know, read my work or we connect mm -hmm. like that. So it's kind of kind of neat. Welcome uh, as a first timer. <laughs> well, thank you. Yeah, I know. I, you just had a Daniel Pink interview on what was that today? Something yeah, we like did that. a rebroadcast kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And I was like, oh, my gosh, I'm on the same podcast as Daniel Pink. That's yeah, amazing. Daniel Pink. We've had uh, <laughs> Captain Sully Sullenberger, the guy who landed the plane in the in the river yep. and all these guys. And, um, you know, in a couple of months, someone's going to come on and be like, this is the same show that Nina was on. Come on That's now. Right. It's so my big break. It's this is your big break. break. So, so take me back. How did you decide you were going to do your own leadership user's manual, leader's user's manual? And I guess for our listeners who maybe didn't follow that little piece of work that I, that I did and then that you did, what is a leader's manual? Like, just take us to the beginning. Sure. So a uh, leader's user's manual is um, a one-pager Kind of like a, if you think about like your coffee pot, the basics that you need to be able to use it, warnings and, you know, how to turn it on and turn it off. Maybe that's <laughs> not the right thing. That's, for a, that's a different user's manual. <laughs> but different, but. <laughs> um, <laughs> but things things to be aware of and just how to how to work with this person. And especially um, in the case of a leader's user's, user's manual, how to work with this leader, this person that you maybe have to answer to. And so you posted one right. and I was actually in the midst of working on a leadership philosophy mm. that I was working with an executive coach who assigned 
this leadership philosophy to me um, as work because I'm a, I'm a pretty new executive director. I've only been doing this for about a year, mm-hmm. and uh, and so I was working with her, and she I was really struggling with this leadership philosophy, and I did all of the prompts that are supposed to get you ready to write it. And I did them. I felt great. And then it's like, now write it. Mm. And I just couldn't. I, there's, I couldn't put those my answers to the prompts into philosophy form. And then I came across your article and I was like, oh, that I can do. I can do a user's cool. manual. But I, this philosophy thing, it was maybe <laughs> just pedantic. I'm right. not sure. So I took some of your uh, aspects of yours and um, like warnings and different personality tests, my results to different personality tests. And um, a couple other things that I had been working on, like my va- my leadership values, mm-hmm. I used flashcards for those with the, the executive coach. And then I added my work manifesto to it, along with, um, I think maybe you had this one too, work cadence. Right. It includes, you know, that I'm most productive in the mornings, so please do not disturb. And if you, if you want something done, give me a deadline, mm-hmm. things like that. That's awesome. Now, this is really um, getting into the weeds of it, but like, For my own, like I'm no graphic designer. And so I just decided like, I think I used PowerPoint and then I just could import little like pictures of my 360 graph or I could create text boxes. I'm looking at a copy of mine and it's like pretty ugly, but like it's more than just a letter or a bulleted list. How did you physically create yours? Like, what did you do? I used Canva. Yeah. Tell people who aren't familiar with Canva. Oh, I don't know if I'll be able to do them. Just. Is it canva.com and it's an app, yeah, right? Canva.com, like canvas without the S. Right. You can create nice images, like for Instagram, if you're doing like some kind of Instagram promotion, you can create that banners. They have all the correct dimensions. For... So it's like templates. You tell them what yeah, you're going to create exactly. and they give you a template and makes it really easy to move right. things around and make it pretty. Yeah, they have really great fonts, a great font collection and icons, graphics, things. Cool. You can you can also upload your own, but they just have a lot going on. Really really great color schemes, things like that. So you fire up Canva and So I picked a resume template. Aha. Uh-huh. Um, I went through a bunch trying to find the right thing. They don't Believe it or not, they don't have a user manual template. <laughs> um, so, <laughs> so I found a resume one because I really liked the the color scheme and the boxes. It was, I think, geared toward like a creative yeah. type. You mm-hmm. know, like I, sending this to like a financial management firm or something would probably not work. Right, right. Um, but it, you know, it has really pretty borders and boxes and things like that. And I just thought that was really nice. So I kind of repurposed okay. pieces of it and made it my user manual instead of a resume. And you mentioned, so one aspect was like the personality assessments that you did. Yes. Which ones did you do, if you remember? Yes. So I did Myers-Briggs mm-hmm. because that's one that I can, I actually remember what type I am. And anytime that I've worked with someone who's really into Myers-Briggs, they can always tell which one I am. So which one are you? I am an ENFP. ENFP. I'm writing it down. I don't, I'm not really familiar with all the uh, MBTI types, but um, I, I kind of get the gist. We all, we yeah. all know the E versus I, at least, you know, the right, first letter. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. And so most, most folks who know, know it pretty well and know me, they can, they can figure it out pretty easily. So I, I felt like that I'd lead with that because it's pretty commonly right. accepted. Um, and I think it, it's right. I think mm-hmm. it's accurate for me. And then I don't know if you're familiar with Gretchen Rubin, Sure. The happiness writer. Sure. Um, so and she has a podcast, Happier with Gretchen Rubin. And so she developed a framework called the four tendencies. Mm-hmm. And it's how you 
respond to outer and inner expectations. So it's kind of a personality type, but it's much more narrow. And so there are four, four tendencies. Um, it's a questioner, a colder, obliger, and rebel. Mm. And they are all different kind of extremes of how you, how you respond to outer and inner expectations. And I am a questioner, hmm. uh, which means that I respond to inner expectations pretty much no problem. Outer expectations are much more difficult for me. I have a problem with authority. But that doesn't make you a rebel? Because I would have just said rebel. No, because rebels have trouble responding to inner expectations too. Oh. Um, So questioners, you know, if if I can justify it and if I make it an inner expectation, then I I can do it. Got it. Um, And so sometimes it takes a little while to get there. But so if I'm giving an, if I'm given a direction, I want to know why. Right. Um, And I want to make sure that it's efficient and not arbitrary. Right, right. And I think, I don't know, but it doesn't um, Gretchen Rubin offer that for free from her website? Yeah, she does. Okay, cool, cool. So listeners can go, it's the four tendencies. So that's another like free one. I think you can find, I don't know the quality, but you can find free kind of equivalent MBTIs if people out there don't want to pony up the whatever it is, you know, for the official MBTI. Um, it's a six, the 16 type personality. So that's good. What what else? I did uh, the Enneagram yes. test, which I took, uh, I think maybe about a year ago. And I, I really, I don't know much about it, but I really liked the, the write-up when I got my result, which is type seven, hmm. also known as the enthusiast, which I thought was nice. <laughs> um, so I, I really liked that result. And I felt I picked personality tests that I felt like would say something about me right. and would say different things about me, but that were all true. Not just to you, right? Cause like you're, you're creating this for people to figure out how best to work with you and all that. Right. Yes, exactly. Yeah. And then the last one I did was my Hogwarts house from Harry Potter, which I'm a new Harry Potter fan. I didn't read them until adulthood last year. In fact, wow. And now I'm like this super fan Total Hogwarts nerd. Come on. Yeah, exactly. So I had to add it and um, I'm in the Ravenclaw house. So I thought that that just presented a little bit extra. There's like one last little push about my personality. Now I'm new to this. Do you just pick like I'm going to be Ravenclaw or is there somewhere to go to actually answer? There's somewhere to go. There's also a free a free test (laughs) where you can you can take the test. Now, Nina, my podcast producer, my team member, Katrina, so she's going to listen to this really closely and edit. She's super into Hogwarts, so much so (laughs) that there's like this big annual festival in Philadelphia where like thousands of people dress up and go and she goes. So expect a personal invitation um, from Katrina to dress up for as uh, what was your house? I don't you just said Ravenclaw. Ravenclaw. So then, um, you know, look look for that to be coming soon. Okay, great. Can't wait. Can't wait. (laughs) So that's and that's fun, right? So that's uh, that's a thing that's not like the official MBTI that you did that you included. And right off the bat, I mean, just the fact that you would include that in a user's manual says something to people about your personality. It's a nice conversation starter for all the other Harry Potter fans out there. I mean, that's kind of a cool thing. Yeah, yeah. Even regardless of what house I'm in, just the fact that I added, you know, a Harry Potter reference. Yeah. And I hadn't thought about this for my own. Like I'm looking at my own and it's like all business and boring. And that's kind of how I probably am most of the time. Um, and, and as I think about, you know, updating in a year, this user's manual and guide others and how to do it. I mean, maybe there should be like just a personal, like interests and hobbies. Like I like the way you kind of worked it into part of your personality, but even if people knew that like, 
among <laughs> I don't have a whole lot of time for outside interest, but like I love six, the Sixers, I'm, you know, basketball, mm-hmm. NBA. Um, I like I'm a foodie, I like eating all this stuff. But like just little tidbits, especially if you have new hires and people don't know you at right. all. It just might mm-hmm. provide some bonding uh, elements, I guess. Yeah. Yeah, that's a great idea. So you, that was the personality stuff. And mm-hmm. have you ever done, you're working with your coach. Have you ever done like a, um, like a 360 survey or anything like that where you're getting data from others? No, I would, I would like that though. Yeah. Cause when I was working on the warning section, I right. was like, Ooh, like I don't really know. I don't have enough data to say what my warnings are. Yeah. I have some guesses, but no one has said, you know, outright like, ooh, like this should be your warning. Yeah. So. <laughs> and that's what I find is I think most of us, it just depends on what level of self-awareness we have. Right. And a lot of us right. don't have very good self-awareness. So having some outside component that comes from either a former like performance review or a 360 or something, I did get a lot of notes back from people saying like they love the leadership user's manual, but their boss will never do it or it's too crazy to actually share your like appraisal oh. results and all that. But I mean, I think that's the power of it is let's just be out there like, hey, nobody's perfect. We're all working on things. And here's the things I'm working on. Right. Yeah. I think that's a great idea. And I, I can't wait for version 3. whatever. Right. Um, right. So when I have that kind of data. Then you took that extra step of like talking about this online mm-hmm. and, you know, sharing it with people. Like what's been the reaction so far? The reaction has been incredibly positive. Um, lots of like, everybody needs one of these, yeah. like, not just leaders, um, which I right. think is great. And then my team, we do a, a retreat at the very beginning of every calendar year. And they were like, can we all do this at a retreat? So right. we're going to do that so everybody can have their own and we can share it. Uh, last year at the retreat, we all took the four tendencies quiz. Yep. So I think we can, that part's already done. That's we can great. recycle that and put that in there. Um, and even that was helpful just to know how to work with someone when you know how they're going to respond to an expectation. Right. So now to hear, to get all these other things like their values and their warnings and right. their work cadence, it can only improve relations. Yeah. And I think this is such a critical point. Like I had read about this idea in the Wall Street Journal and it was about a CEO who did the leader's user manual, but that's kind of obnoxious. It's like, Hey, all you guys, you know, learn how to adjust to my style, right? right? You know, it's like one way. And the reality is we should call it just like, I don't know, user's manual for fun, but like get rid of the leaders because everybody can have one of these. And we as team leaders will get a lot of value if our team members go through the same kind of assessments and document all this other stuff. I think most people sort of remember their MBTI because it's so common and people use it. It's kind of become, for better or for worse, got sort of become the standard. But other than that, like I forget about all my things. We get hit with all this data like, wait, but what was my disc or what was the my right. number one thing to work on for my engagement survey or what did my executive coach say my developmental goal was? Like it, there's just so many pieces I forget. So I found while I created it to sort of help my new hires on my team, I think I would create it again just for myself, even if I didn't have direct reports, because it's one place to kind of capture all of that. What was your own experience with the value to you versus the value to your team? Oh, yeah. I mean, I did it mostly just for myself. <laughs> and then when I realized how valuable it was for myself, I figured, well, maybe I should share this and see, you know, and I agree. It's it's kind of egotistical to think that everyone's just going to look at that and be like, oh, wait, Nina works this way, so I better adjust. Right. But I think it is helpful for sure. You know, sometimes if I'm hyper-focused on something, it's just because that's 
how I am. I'm not actually trying to ignore you. Right. I think it just helps with how everybody can work with anybody, yeah. um, regardless of if they're if they're a leader or a team member. Um, and sometimes I am a team member. I'm not always running every meeting, but the user's manual still comes in handy. Right, right. So any like lessons learned, if there's someone out there who's like, okay, I'm going to do this, you know, I've got some of this data and all that, and I'll get reflective about my cadence preferences, communication cadence and stuff. Mm -hmm. Any other advice you would give them for someone who's going to sit down and do what you did? <sighs> Probably just really focus on the things that that convey what you what you need it to convey. You know, I could have also included disc and all mm. these other personality quizzes, but they weren't, they didn't say anything new right. or anything that, that I wanted to really to get across to my team or to anyone who would come across this. The other thing with the, with the work cadence, I, you know, you mentioned including your hobbies. Right. Part of me, I was going to say like, oh, like do not disturb me in the evenings because I do all these other cool things. <laughs> and then I wanted to like, you know, plug, you know, my running club and, right. my, and my drumming group and like all of these things. And it's like, this is not, that's not necessary. <laughs> they just need to know that I'm unavailable on the, in the evenings, you know, so just really, I think, I think using a resume template was useful to set me up for success in keeping it succinct mm -hmm. because you want to be able to look at it and just kind of scan it and absorb yeah. and not feel like this is an assignment that you have to, it's like an actual user's manual. When you get the ones that are Ugh. pages and pages long, they, you're not even going to. That's why nobody uses them, right? It's a joke exactly. that nobody reads the user's manual, but they're horrible, right? right? It's just awful. Exactly. Exactly. So um, if only user's manuals for, you know, like my coffee pot were this easy to follow. Luckily right. you don't really need them anymore. But <laughs> I, things, but but everything's getting connected to the internet. Everything. Um, yeah. Amazon just released a voice enabled microwave. Like, I don't know. We might be needing user wow. manuals for our uh, regular apply, like, you know, simpler ones. But anyway, yeah. um, so are you open to having listeners reach out to you maybe on LinkedIn or something if they want advice or they want to see a copy of what you've done? Yeah, yeah, of course. So yeah. how do we find you on LinkedIn or elsewhere? Whatever you want to share. So I initially published this on my blog, which is ninabaltiera.wordpress.com. So my first and last name. And I haven't ponied up the money to get rid of WordPress.com. Um, <laughs> not important to me. Maybe I should add that to my user's manual. Uh, <laughs> and uh, I'm on LinkedIn, but starting with my blog is probably the easiest. That sounds good. And we'll put the link in the notes to the show and any other articles and social media and stuff that uh, we're, we're putting out there. Nina, this was really awesome. Again, you weren't here to sell a book or to sell like your company or any <laughs> of that stuff. You just wanted to help others with, uh, with your story. So thanks for yeah. coming on to the LeadX show. Yeah, thanks for having me. This is great. Friends, if you like this episode of the LeadX Leadership Podcast, please take just a minute and leave a rating on iTunes or Stitcher. It's the number one way we will attract new leaders. And you know, I'm on a mission over the next 10 years to spark 100 million new leaders. And if you're looking to teach your managers how to become great leaders, how to increase their employee engagement scores, and how they can achieve extreme productivity, check out the LeadX Academy at leadx.org or just send me an email if you have 10 or more managers and we'll talk about doing a free pilot in your company. Info at leadx.org is the email address and I'll personally respond. Remember, leadership is influence. You're always leading. How will you lead today? <laughs>